Lord Jesus, we worship you this morning. God, we thank you that you are a good God. You're a saving God. You're a generous God. God, you're a, lo- you're a loving God. And God, you choose us. You choose to come for us, to, to be amongst us, to speak to us, to change us and to redeem us. And God, we give you so much praise for that this morning. And God, we thank you that, that we get to gather together as your family, as your body. From all different walks of life, with all different stories and testimonies. And the common thread is your grace and your goodness in our life. And it binds us together. It holds us together as one body, as one church. And this morning as one body and as one church, we choose to fix our eyes on you. We choose to glorify you with our words and with our actions, with our thoughts, with all that we do, with all that we are. And God, I pray this morning that that we might be people who reflect your goodness and your grace to not just those inside this room and not just those inside the church, but those outside. That we'd be carriers of your light and your grace. God, would you stir us this morning to hear your word and to hear your spirit speak to our hearts and encourage and challenge us to move us forward with you and with each other. Lord God, we love you so much and we're so grateful that we get to be here this morning. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Why don't you grab a seat? Good morning to those in Yarram and Lock Sports. Great to have you with us. Happy New Year. It's great to go around the sun again, isn't it? Keep doing it. We don't get much of a say. Um, I'm excited that youth camp is this week. Starting on Thursday night, I'm preaching Thursday night. uh, And I'm excited to do that, to speak to our young people down there on the Banksia Peninsula down towards Painesville. And if you're a praying person, which I hope that you are, um, pray for me, but pray for our young people. Um, I know that uh, camps, if you have gone to Christian camps in your upbringing, you know how pivotal they are in your faith journey. And this is uh, just like that. Uh, Pivotal moments in our youth ministry have happened at our summer camps. And so please be praying for that. They'll have a lot of fun. Uh, They will eat a lot of great healthy food. I know the chefs. Um, And they'll they'll get heaps of sleep and they won't get sunburnt and they'll drink heaps of water (laughs) and they'll come back smelling fresh and clean. (laughs) No, they'll have a great time, but most of all, they'll hear from God and they'll be changed by His grace and His love and so that's what we want to be praying for. Um, other news, sad news. Everyone say, oh, oh. You don't even know what it is yet. It's sad. It's sad. Um, if you know Ray and Karen Blake, uh, they are moving on. They have been um, reassigned to a new ministry opportunity in Werribee. Uh, and so we're sad to see Karen and Ray uh, move because they've been part of Sail Baptist Church. And if you don't know them, They've been a part of here longer than I've been here, which is a long time. I know I only look like I'm 17 years old, but I've been here for 27 years in this church, um, 
Ray and Karen have been here for 28 years, almost 30 years they've been here, uh, and Karen and Ray have played instrumental parts in our church. They've just been these faithful people that have always turned up, uh, always been generous with whatever they've brought to the table. Uh, Karen has served as treasurer for uh, a decade on our when we had a diaconate, um, set Glenn up really well to be the next treasurer, and now Andrew is following on the the big foot, the, the big shoes to fill, and that the treasurer, Karen, was uh, part of the, the transition from the old building to here, uh, which is a massive time, in, especially in our finances. Um, that was a, a big, big sort of times, and she uh, served really faithfully. Just generous, honest, hardworking kingdom people, and people that you sort of just want everyone to be like uh, in your church. Uh, and so they'll be dearly missed, and uh, we really want to honour them and thank them for all they've brought to. Uh, our church and, our, and their time here with us. And so I don't know if you want to give them a hand and just thank them. We really love you guys and pray that, that the next season is just as fruitful uh, and just as good for you guys uh, as you move on. And we hope that maybe you'll, you'll come back and visit from time to time um, if you feel the need to. Hey, we're in a, a, a new series. Uh, Lauren started off last week brilliantly called I'm In. And last week we looked at the idea that I'm invited, and this morning we're going to look at the idea that I'm invaluable. Invaluable. Say that. I'm invaluable. It's a, I know, it's hard to say, isn't it? Invaluable. Yeah. I struggled with it too. Um, and so next week we're going to look at I'm influential, and then I'm invested. Um, invited, invaluable, influential, invested. They're sort of, they all sound very similar, don't they? I'm in. I'm in, so let's, let's jump straight into this series, uh, uh, into this week, sorry, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 16. Hopefully the scriptures will be up on the screen for you to follow along. Uh, it says this, For just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many, are one body, so also is Christ. For we were all baptised by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. And we're all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less part of the body. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the truth that it holds, and God, we pray that uh, as we seek your truth, that we'd be changed by it as well. Uh, God, we wouldn't be just hearers of your word, but we'd be doers of it, and that uh, we would see great fruit as a result. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. I thought I'd start this morning off with a little quiz. I know we've got kids in the room. Give us a shout, kids. Are you listening? Yeah? All right, this is for you just as much. So groups of animals, groups of animals. First one is flamingos. You know groups of animals aren't just called groups... It's not a group of flamingos. What is it? Flock? No, not flock. It does start with F. Flamboyance of flamingos. Of course. Oh, how can I not think of flamboyance? Okay. Next one is the lizards. What have we? What's a group of lizards called? You can't Google it. No cheating. Some people are just like a lounge of lizards. They do look very loungy, don't they? Yeah, just like oh, yeah, makes sense. Makes sense. Okay, what about hippopotamuses? Ooh. Oh, hippopotamuses. A, a bob? No, not a... 
A pod, not a pod. Not a herd, a bloat. All right, this is a good one, this next one, lemurs. Lemurs, oh, they're cute, aren't they? What's a group of lemurs called? (laughs) No one knows. A conspiracy of lemurs. (laughs) What about this one? Vultures. Someone that they're not really popular, and neither's neither's the thing that they are. A group of them is called. It's not very popular. A committee. (laughs) Vultures. No one likes a committee. And what about this one? I think most people will know this one. A murder of crows. Isn't that just like delightful? <laughs> delightful. You know, and the point is this. I mean, we could, that was fun, wasn't it? But I've got to preach God's word. We could, I could just do a whole quiz for 20 minutes, but that'd be a waste of time. You can Google that and find out. There's hundreds of them um, and they're fun. A single animal has one name, but a group of animals takes on a new identity. So a single animal crows or flamingos or whatever, has one name, and then as soon as you put them in a group, they take on a new identity, a new name. And it's the same with Christians. It's the same with Christians. Individuals coming together take on a new identity. And the new identity that we take on as Christians is what? Church. And Paul writes in Corinthians, he uses another word, he says it's the body of Christ. A body of Christians, you might say. Um, if you were to use the same sort of phrasing as we've just done for the animals. A group of Christians is the body of Christ. And so at different times, you will play different roles in that body. You might be hands that serve or feet that go or a mouth that shares God's Word and encourages or a heart that loves. And we all have different parts to play and at different times, we play those different parts and together collectively, we are the body. One part is not more important than the other. Together, we are the body, and each part is invaluable. Every part matters. And this idea of invaluable doesn't, is not the opposite to valuable. Some people think, you know, if you're simple like me, invaluable. Isn't that just like not valuable? Am I not valuable? Is that what you're trying to say? No, invaluable means you, you can't be put in a, in a value. You, you're unique. You're completely unique. You can't be replaced, irreplaceable, invaluable. And that's like parts of your body. They're invaluable, unique. Um, in, the, in the Gospels, in Luke 15, Jesus tells a parable of the lost sheep. And there's 100 sheep and the shepherd loses one. He goes after one because the sheep, you and I, are invaluable. He doesn't look at the 100 and go, well, I've got 99. If I lose one, that's okay. I've got 99 others. It's not just valuable like maybe um, your sunglasses or your wallet or things that you think, oh, I don't want to lose it, but if I do, I could just replace it. It is replaceable. Or your socks or whatever it is you lose. For me, it's everything. Cannot be replaced. You cannot be replaced. What you offer is incredibly unique to the body of, of Christ. I've got three kids. If I lose one, I don't just think, well, I've got two more. Two out of three ain't bad. I'll make do. No, <laughs> I want all three. They're invaluable. One is not like the other. 
They are each unique and bring their own joy. You are invaluable. You are invaluable. Just like uh, your children or um, the, the different people in your life are invaluable and, and one couldn't, you couldn't imagine one um, going missing or, or being left out of your life, you are invaluable when it comes to the body of Christ, when it comes to the church. And the lie that sometimes we all fall into the trap of believing from time to time is this. If I wasn't here, it wouldn't make any difference. If I wasn't here, it wouldn't make any difference. Um, but it's a, it's a lie. It's, it's, it's not true because you have unique abilities and unique relationships within the body of Christ that no one else has divinely created. You know, um, this is a hefty old book, this one, called Centre Church, and in it has a, this, um, this quote from C.S. Lewis, and I want to um, read it to you because I think it helps us um, understand the, the uniqueness and the importance that each person has when it comes to, in, in this case, seeing the glory of God, but um, it highlights the uniqueness and the importance of each person in the body. C.S. Lewis writes this, he says, In each of my friends there is something that, some, that only some other friend can fully bring out. By myself, I am not large enough to call the whole man into activity. I want other lights than my own to show all his facets. And he's talking about um, a, a friend, Charles, that had died. And so he says, after, now that Charles is dead, I shall never again see Ronald's reaction to a specifically Caroline joke. I don't really know their affiliation with that joke, but apparently it was there. Far from having more of Ronald, having him to myself, so he's had Charles and Ronald, two friends, and one's died. Instead of having more of Ronald, he has less of Ronald, he says. Hence, true friendship is the least jealous of loves. Two friends delight to be joined by a third and three by a fourth. We possess each friend not less but more as the number of those with whom we share him increases. In this friendship exhibits a glorious nearness by resemblance to heaven. For every soul, seeing him in her uh, own way, communicates that unique vision to all the rest. And that says, as the old author, is why the seraphim in Isaiah's vision are crying, holy, 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 to another. The more we thus share the heavenly bread between us, the more we shall all have. And I love this picture that the more the more we join together and the more people we see worshipping God, the way you worship God shows me something else of the goodness of God. The way you interact with someone else shows me something more of the body of Christ. The way that you see the world, the way that you see God, the way that you see his body and creation, highlights something that I can't see without you showing me. And in the same way, we are all unique to the body of Christ and we all have an invaluable part to play. What you see, the perspective that you have and what you bring to the body cannot be replaced by someone else. 1 Corinthians 12, let's have a look at this scripture that we started off with. 12 uh, verses 14 and 16, it says, Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, it is not for that reason any less part of the body. And if the ear should say... 
because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body. It's not for that reason any less part of the body. Now, it's interesting that Paul points out feet being jealous of hands and ears being jealous of eyes. And I think he does that intentionally because if you think about it, generally eyes get more attention than ears, hands get more attention than feet. Um, Especially when when you think about the difference between eyes and ears, the eye gets far more attention than the ears. Um, We like to say beauty is in the eye of the beholder or if you're looking at someone and you're trying to have a conversation, you're really trying to have a deep conversation, you don't, don't stare into their ears, you stare into their eyes. Eyes are like the window to the soul. Or your apple, the eye. Um, you might know the colour of someone's eyes, but I've, you probably don't know if they've got like a, a low lobe or a joined lobe on their ear the same way. You don't take as much notice of which ear is bigger or lower or higher. Um, and maybe next time you look at your significant other, you might start noticing, oh, that is weird. Because I probably guarantee that your ears aren't matching. They are different. Um, anyway, you can discover that later for yourself. But I, if you had different coloured eyes, you would definitely know that about someone. But if they had different lobes, I think one of our kids sitting up the back there has different... He's got one that's, you know... I don't know what your lobes are called and how they're... But one that droops and one that goes straight across. And so for the ears, they might look at the eyes and go, oh, I wish I was like you. You, you're, you get attention, I don't. And what Paul is saying in the body of Christ, there's parts that do get more attention, but they're not more valuable because they get more attention. If the ear was to complain and say, I, no one sees me, there'd be no one, and there was no ears, there'd be no one to hear it. Um, the ear could easily say, I'm not that important. It wouldn't matter if I wasn't here. Same with the foot and the hands. Feet are covered. No one likes holding someone's foot. And if you do, that's weird. (laughs) You want to hold someone's hand. And you might think the same way. I'm not that important. I'm overlooked. Maybe you overlook yourself. Listen to what Paul says later on in chapter 12, verse 22. This is the New Living Translation. I love the way he puts it. He says, in fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. Some of the weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. So um, this in our human body is, is true as well. So your pinky finger, you might think, well, I've got my thumb, that's pretty important because, I, you know, you grab everything. If you don't have a thumb, you can't grab anything um, and thumbs up. You point with your pointer finger. Your middle finger, well, let's just say it's the tallest. It's a bit of, it can be a bit obnoxious. Obnoxious. Um, if you've got your ring finger, that'd be your pinky finger. I mean, like, that's... It's not, that, it's not as important as the other, surely. But you know, apparently... I'm not a doctor, I'm not... Apparently, 50% of your hand strength comes from that little finger, of your grip strength. To hold something, 50% of the strength is in that pinky finger. Or the uvula. You... You say it for me. Uvula. Is that right? The little dangly bit in the back of your throat? I think I've got a picture of it. Help you see. I, do you know I started looking for images of it? That, that was the nicest one I could find. <laughs> Every picture that came up was, what, swollen, infected. That's, don't search for it. Just trust me, that, that's a nice looking uvula. Uvula. Over the course of your lifetime, it 
still creates enough saliva to fill two swimming pools. Ugh. I mean, it's gross, but it's important. I mean, if you don't have saliva in your mouth, have you ever had that feeling of no saliva in your mouth? You're like, yeah, it's, you need it. Or armpit hair. Again, don't search for images of this. Um, <clears throat> try to find a nice one. <laughs> your armpit hair is there to, to diffuse your natural smell and to make yourself smell better uh, and to attract a mate. Really, that's what it's, it's designed for. Uh, and if you don't have it, I know some people get rid of theirs. All I can say is maybe that's why you're not as attractive. I'm not saying. <laughs> Science. Sometimes what you do is not visible and like armpit hair or your uvula or maybe not so much your pinky, but sometimes what you do is not as visible or not as prominent as something else, but it's no less important. Just because it's not visible doesn't mean it's not important. With the body of Christ, every part is invaluable. The prayers that you pray that no one hears, no one knows that you're praying for me, for other people in our church, for our families, for our community, they matter. All the giving, all the cleaning, all the encouraging, all the turning up, or just the smile that you might give someone on a Sunday when they walk through the doors. The change that that might bring to someone's life and someone's eternity, you will never know. All these things matter. I think back to when I was, we you know, we were talking about camp earlier, I think back when I was a teenager and the camp leaders that would have no idea, I'm sure, to this day, that the impact that they had on me, people like Jeff, people like Andrew, who not a part of our church, but these leaders that were an invaluable part of my life and my faith development that helped me see more of God and inspired my faith, they probably had no idea what, that, what they were doing really mattered. They probably thought, oh, I'm just doing another camp. Here we go, I've got to get, get up early or I've got to do the dishes or I've got to tell these kids to turn the lights out. Why are they still chatting? But what they did made a huge in, in, impact on me. And still I remember the impact and the impact they have on my faith journey. And you might think that, well, I've done these things before or I've tried to encourage someone and it just doesn't seem to work they're still the same old grumpy person. They still don't smile at me. But you don't know the difference that that is making. What you can do and the part that you play is invaluable to the body of Christ. And if you aren't engaged, if you aren't involved, if you aren't serving, if you aren't loving, if you aren't contributing, ultimately, something or someone is missing out. There is a gap it doesn't just get filled. We, I mean, organisationally, we'll, we'll make the thing keep working, but someone misses out. Something gives. Something that God wants to be done isn't being done somewhere. Have you ever uh, woken up and you've, been, you've fell on a, fallen asleep on your arm and you, you woke up and you, you feel like, I've got no arm, or you, your arm is just limp, it's paralysed, it's... It's gone to sleep. And you try and all you, you... It's not like, oh, well, I'll just, uh, I'll just keep on doing what I'm doing. I don't need that. Instantly, you notice 
you notice that something's not right and I've got to get this thing woken up. The rest of the body begins working harder. If you've got an injury, if something's not working as it should, if you've got a, a sore foot or a, um, a sore pinky, everything else compensates and you might find yourself um, straining other parts of your body to overcompensate for the part that's not working as it should. There's a need, um, there's needs that aren't being met because people don't play the part that God has designed for them to play. Lives aren't being changed. Someone is missing out. And for all of us, there's different reasons why we don't do the things that we're called to do. But my encouragement, my challenge this morning is that we can't, you're irreplaceable. No one can fill your shoes the way you fill them. And sometimes we put our past or the things that have happened or the things that we've done or haven't done as an excuse of, well, I can't do this because my marriage has failed, my life has fallen apart, my, my addictions in the past were too great, I don't know enough, I haven't learnt enough, I'm not smart enough, I can't speak well enough. All these things prepare us or help us connect with people that other people can't connect with. You know, the people that encourage and connect or that you connect with the most are sometimes the people that have had a similar experience in life to you. Can share that experience and can encourage you through it. And so the experiences that you've had are unique to you in a way that can help someone else that someone else can't. It's not necessarily about our ability, but our availability, our our willingness to say, yes, I'll be used by you, God. I'll do the thing that you've called me to do. And I want you to imagine, as a church, if every person was playing the part that we're supposed to play, what would it look like? What would it feel like? What would the impact be? Your story matters, your gifts matter, your voice matters, your generosity matters, your words matter, your encouragement matters. When you give, when you serve, it makes a difference. When you pray, your faith moves the heart of God. When you invite someone to church, your invitation moves someone closer to Jesus and it could change your life. And when you greet someone, when you listen to someone, when you open your home to someone, when you make someone a meal, you're showing the love of Jesus. Look back at 1 Corinthians 12, the first two verses that we read. For just as the body is one, has many parts, all the parts of that body, though many, are one body. So also, uh, also is Christ. For we're all baptized by one spirit into one body. Whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, we were all given one spirit to drink. Sometimes our sense of value to the body of Christ comes because we don't look a certain way. We're not... Um, gifted in a certain way. Paul writes this because he's, he's seeing a difference between the Jews and the Greeks and the, and the way that they are being treated and the way they are being valued, or the slaves and the free. And we can have the same mentality today 
2,000 years on, we're still dealing with the same things, these stereotypes of, well, the colour of my skin or my education or my social status or my age or my gender disqualifies me from being as valuable as that person. And as the body of Christ, we need every person playing their part. Every person uniquely valuable. And our value doesn't come just because we are who we are. Our value comes because Jesus gives us value. Because we were bought at a price. I came across this story. Um, and I want to I sort of finish with this and, and encourage us to think about how we are playing our part and invaluable to the body of Christ. The, uh, there's a great baseball player some 100 years ago called Babe Ruth. You may have heard of Babe Ruth. I'm not a baseball fan, but I've heard of Babe Ruth, greatest, one of the greatest um, home run hitters of all time, apparently. Anyway, during his career, he autographed heaps of baseballs um, and gave heaps of them away. But he only put his name or autographed seven of his baseball bats uh, that he used to hit home runs. And because he autographed so few of them, each of these bats is really valuable. Uh, and the first of these seven bats vanished, uh, lost for decades. And only when it resurfaced in 2006, its story was discovered. And the bat used to hit a home run in a Yankee stadium against the Boston Red Sox in 1923, was given away by Babe Ruth's agent in a home run contest. <laughs> Pretty good prize. And no one at the competition got any contact information. It was the 1920s for the winner. They didn't have to sign up online or just give them an email address or anything like that, scan any QR codes. And so they left with the bat and it disappeared from the public eye. And in 1988, the man who won this bat was sick on his deathbed, losing uh, the battle to a prolonged illness. And he'd outlived every member of his family and his closest friend was a faithful nurse who'd served him for years during his sickness. And before he died, the man presented his, his nurse with his prized autographed bat. And although this gesture carried great sentimental value, she had no idea what this bat was or what it was worth. And so for the next 18 years, she just had it under her bed at home. After retiring from nursing, she hoped to open a restaurant, but she didn't have any money. And one day she thought of her bat and wondered, maybe it's worth something. And so she took it to the local sports memorabilia shop to have it appraised. And when the owner suspected it might be the missing bat, uh, he brought in some experts. And after hearing her story and carefully testing its condition, they determined it was the real deal. And so in 2006, she auctioned the bat off for $1.3 million. And the woman kept only as much of the money as she needed to start the restaurant. And then she gave the rest to a foundation, or to begin a foundation to serve the children Babe Ruth wanted to help at the end of his life. And when a reporter asked her why she would give away so much of her money, she answered, the bat was only valuable because Babe Ruth's name was on it. Since he made it valuable, the only reasonable thing I could do was something that would honour his life. And if you're a Christian, what makes you valuable is the name of Jesus written on your heart. And because of what he did for us on the cross, our only reasonable response is to do something with our lives that honours him.
Luke 15, 3 to 7. Jesus said this. He told them this parable. What man among you who has a hundred sheep loses one of them and does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it? When he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and coming home, he calls his friends and neighbours together, saying to them, Rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. Maybe this morning, God is reminding you, you are the one. You are valuable because he loves you. He created you and he redeemed your life on the cross. And he is showing you and trying to draw you in with that love and that grace to show you that you are invaluable. You're not like a a sock that goes missing that can just be replaced with another pair. You are uniquely crafted by the Creator. You matter. You matter so much that Jesus chases you. He dies on the cross for you. He loves you. He takes your sin. Not only so that your life could be redeemed, but so that it could contribute to someone else's story. And so the band's going to come back and we're going to worship one more time as we close. And I'd love the opportunity to pray with you or to encourage you this morning. I'm going to be standing down the front during this last song. But maybe you've, you feel like, oh, I, I'm not valuable because I don't even know if I'm a Jesus follower. I'd love to, love to talk to you about that. Or maybe you haven't been playing your part because who knows, you've got, you've got your reasons. But this morning you recognise that you are created by God and you do have a part to play and what your part is, is invaluable to the body of Christ. And I'd love to encourage you in that as well. Can we stand together and pray? Across Yarram and Locksport as well, can we stand together and pray? Lord Jesus, we give you so much praise this morning and we thank you that you're a God who loves us. You're a God who sees value in us because Jesus went on the cross to take our sins and to redeem us, redeem our life. And God, this morning we recognize that Our value comes from you and it's for you. Our gifts, our talents, our abilities, everything that we have, everything that we're able to do is only because of you and your grace. And God, we want to honour you with our lives. We want to honour you with what we bring and what we do, how we serve, what we give, how we treat each other. And so God, we take a moment just to repent for anything that we haven't done that has honoured you. All the gifts that we've buried or tucked away and haven't used like we should. And God, we choose to, to turn towards you and to use our gifts and use our life to honour you and to fulfil the purpose that you have for it. And so God, would you challenge us and help us to, to see the the things that you want us to do, the people you want us to be, and the lives that you want us to invest in. And God, we thank you that as we do that together, we become the body of Christ, each part playing its part and making a huge difference in our community, in our families, for your glory. God, we love you so much. We honour you so much. And we just pray that you would help us to see what you see and to live the way you want us to live. 
thank you in Jesus' name.